Amen. Excellent. Well, it's incredible to be here again tonight. Uh, every Sunday night, here's where this is where I am, and I'm enjoying it. I actually really love being here, um, getting to know about Jesus' love. Uh, the fact that He is still living and wanting to impact our lives. Uh, We've spoken about His forgiveness even here. And I just wanted to say there is a white I-30 in the car park just down there with the lights on. And so if you need to go and switch that off, there is no judgment here. Uh, So feel free to head out now and do that. Um, In fact, I was just chatting before in the welcome um, to uh, one of my good friends here down the front. And um, they wanted the lowdown on the message. They said, can you just give me one, one line? What exactly are you gonna preach on? And I said, Jesus loves you. If you take away that, then that, that's okay. And, and I, I really do mean that. If, if you come away tonight having a sense that the living God wants to meet with you and be a part of your life, everything will change for you. And so if there's, if there's just one sentence that you take away from tonight, Jesus loves you. And as we, as we have been reflecting on who Jesus is, what he's done, the incredible love that he has, uh, John 1:14 came to mind. And this is, this is the apostle John, one of the disciples reflecting on Jesus' life and what he, um, what he saw in him. And it says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so this evening, we're going to be focusing in on Jesus, on his glory, on who he is. Um, and, And hopefully tonight you'll get a glimpse of just how incredible a person he is, of just how incredible a God he is, of, of just how close he is to you at this very moment. And we've been doing a series on prayer, started last week uh, on the Lord's Prayer actually, where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. And so in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, this is what we read. Jesus says this, this then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is Jesus' words to us here right now. It was His words to His disciples and it's His words to those who would wanna be His disciples this evening. And Matt talked about last week that it's, it's the one who knows God as Father that cries to God as Father. It's the one who really knows that God is their Father that cries out, to him as father. And so what we're, what we're gonna see here is Jesus' invitation to us at, in this prayer, in giving us this prayer, is for us to trust him. 
so that He can lead us in transforming our hearts to be like His. Hearts that know God as Father. And so for us here, we actually need to come to the Lord's Prayer, not just as a standalone prayer, but as the disciples came to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus and to ask Him to teach us how to pray. And so that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna try and and get a feel for what the disciples were feeling or what, what they were seeing when they came to Jesus, asking Him to teach them how to pray. And, and what they really um, seem to, to, to see is that Jesus has an intimacy of relationship with his heavenly father that, that they just, um, that is unparalleled in their minds. They have never seen anything like it. So what is it that characterizes the father-son relationship between Jesus and his father? I think for us, we can get a bit of a grip on what it means when we think of our, um, our earthly relationships with a father. Uh, for you to call someone father or dad uh, means that you have a closeness of relationship with them. Um, of course, in our broken world, you may have had a different experience, um, but, but where to say, if things were completely right as they should be, then the parent-child relationship should be one of love, of security, of encouragement, one where the parent is providing everything that the child needs for the child to become the good person that is intended. Not only for them to become good, but for them to provide for those around them as well. And we, we can see this actually in our everyday lives to the extent that a child is in their uh, parents' purview, in their domain, in, in, under their supervision. They, they are in that love and security. They function well without care or fear. You see it, kids just run around doing their thing, no care in the world. You can tell when kids are functioning out of that that right functioning relationship. And you can actually tell when they're not as well. You see them become self-conscious, fearful, uh, looking around for some sort of security. And so it's in this way that the disciples are seeing Jesus, they're seeing Jesus' proximity to God And it means more than just um, um, intimacy and boldness to come before God, to enter into His presence and and, and talk to Him. It's more than just uh, language and form, as Matt mentioned last week, more than just being able to call God Father with our words. What they're seeing is ultimate love and security in relationship, something that affects everything that Jesus does. It's his source of love, his source of power, authority, security. His relationship with the Father informs not only everything he does, but who he is. And in contrast, as the disciples see this in Jesus, they'd be able to look at their own lives, the fears that they have, the insecurities, the self-consciousness, the lack of direction and certainty in their lives, their tendency to focus on themselves. 
and they'd realize that Jesus has something, something completely other than what they are experiencing. And the disciples see that relationship that Jesus has. They see that it's one of complete love, that he, that he is secure in that relationship. They see that he receives everything that he needs, not only for himself, but for multitudes. He gives of himself for multitudes because he lives in that security. He's taught directly of the Father. He does nothing but what the Father wills. Nothing but what he has seen the Father doing. The wisdom that the disciples see in his teaching is unparalleled. His relationship with his Father gives him complete authority even over creation. And what we see in the lead up to him giving these prayers uh, is what the disciples would have known of Jesus. So if you look in, in the first chapters of, of Matthew and Luke leading into the Lord's Prayer, this is what they would have seen. Him, Jesus casting out demons, healing every type of disease and sickness. He was feeding thousands with a few loaves and fish. He calms winds and seas. We even heard of the, of the miraculous healing and forgiveness of sins that he offers. His relationship with his father means that the world and everything in it is given to him to do the father's will. And that will is good, pleasing and perfect. When the disciples are coming to Jesus with all of this in mind, they're not saying, teach us to come to God as if he were our father. If prayer was just the right words to say in the right order, the disciples could easily just have eavesdropped on Jesus' prayers and then gone and done their own prayers with the father. But what they realise is what they see in Jesus is something completely beyond what they have. They're saying, teach us to become like you. Teach us to become children of God. Matt said this last week, to truly know God as Father is their desire. To truly know Him as Father. And they have a sense that when that happens, when they enter into that relationship, the way they live in the world, their actions, their words, their very being will completely change and they will be like Jesus. And what we see here is, is as they come to Jesus saying, teach us to pray, they're really calling out for salvation. Salvation from the sad existence that they now realise that they're living. As they look at Jesus and realise the life they're living, they realise that their lives are ones governed by scarcity, a desire to fulfil their own needs before the needs of others, a life of insecurity and fear, and an inability to know God's will or trust Him. They hadn't even realised how sad their lives actually were until they met Jesus. 
and saw the possibility of abundant life, the abundant life that he embodied. And what they saw at the heart of who Jesus was, at the heart of all his confidence, of all the love that he had, of all the power that he had, was his relationship with his Father. And that relationship is expressed in prayer. To see all of that, to realise that the heart of everything that Jesus is, is the relationship in prayer that He has with His Father. Of course, the disciples are coming to Him. Teach us how to pray. They're not saying teach us more intimate words to say. They're saying teach us to enter into that category of life. That is what they were crying out for then. And I pray that that is what we would be crying out for this evening, to enter more and more into that category of life. And so as we come to Him with that in mind, He gives us something. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. And if, if I'm completely honest, we've been talking about the incredible life that Jesus has. We've been talking about coming to Him and, and, and entering into that, asking that we can enter into that. Asking that He teach us to be like, as He is, to teach us how to pray. And He gives us the Lord's Prayer. And if you read the Lord's Prayer on the surface, uh, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a letdown. It, it, it actually, it is on the surface. If, if all you're looking at is the words, if you've just captured all of Jesus' life, all of who He is, and then you just see these words in the form that they're in, you go, how is that going to get me into the fullness of life that I see in Jesus? And I'm glad actually that Matt highlighted that last week. It's not about the form or just reciting words. I... I grew up in schools all throughout my primary and high school careers, saying the Lord's Prayer every single day. And yet I found that in my heart, I still had a lack of certainty, a lack of um, um, security. I didn't find myself living more for others than I was for myself. And so it's not just about reciting these words but it is about allowing ourselves to be led and pointed by Jesus to the heart that He has so that that same heart can be formed in us. And so this prayer, as we go through it, we're gonna go into just the first line tonight, but it gives us a picture of what right relationship with God looks like what the heart of one who loves God looks like and acts like. And as we go through the Lord's Prayer, we should simultaneously see Jesus' heart, but then also accept that as an invitation for that to become our heart. We cannot be satisfied just to see Jesus at a distance. And this is what he says. Here is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
And, and, and this is a beautiful line. I mean, I mean it, it's lofty. It sounds like something that's, that's sacred that you, you probably can't even um, completely understand what, what is going on here. And if it seems a bit vague or abstract to you, uh, that, that's okay. The, the way that the Lord's Prayer starts is the loftiest picture of what Jesus' heart looks like. This line, this one line is the destination, the highest peak of where He would like to take us. A heart that can truly say, our Father, hallowed be Your name. And maybe you feel like that's not much of a destination. But let's, let's have a look at what that actually means to be able to say, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we do that, I pray that your heart would find something in there to, that, that, that it desires, something that ignites in your heart that wants you to move more and more towards this. And, and, and as we do that, let's remember, this isn't an arbitrary prayer. This has the whole backdrop of Jesus' life, everything that the disciples have seen, the, the miracles, the, uh, the love, the peace, everything that He has is the backdrop for this. And not only that, it's Jesus, the very one who's giving this. He is at the foreground. He's wanting to reveal Himself to his disciples then, he's wanting to reveal himself right now by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus wants to reveal himself to you tonight. And so when he says, when Jesus says, Father, we should automatically be reflecting on how Jesus' life is founded on his relationship with his Father. The love he has, the power he has, the authority, the boldness, the wisdom, everything stems from his secure relationship with his Father. At the very words, Father, on Jesus' lips, the disciples would have seen even in his expression an ease, a rest entering on his face, a lifting up of his face. Any thoughts that may have been troubling him, any weariness that had been weighing him down, as he cries out, Father, is released as his heart leaps into the Father's arms. Just the mention of his name in fact, this is the picture that we should be getting. The picture that should come to mind. The, the joy of a child in seeing their father. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but a child being away from their father, coming into the room, seeing their father, making contact, eye contact with them and just running towards their father and leaping into their arms. The joy, everything just becomes so laser focused in that moment, nothing else matters. At the word father, everything around Jesus fades and the all encompassing joy 
and love and peace that there is in that relationship pervades all of reality. For Jesus to call out Father is a picture of a heart crying out, knowing that God is all that it would ever need and ever want. And in the realest sense possible, that God alone is the only thing that it would ever need or want. It's the lofty ideal. Can we grasp something like that? For us to even think of really coming to know God in this way as all we could ever need or want for our greatest delight and peace to be found in coming to God in whatever circumstance and just calling out, Father. Capturing this deep need that we have, George MacDonald, a writer in the, in the 18th century or 19th century says this, beautiful words actually. Oh God, I cried and that was all. But what are the prayers of the whole universe more than expansion of that one cry? It is not what God can give us, but God that we want. This is the heart of Jesus. All he wants is the Father. This is the reality that Jesus would like to bring to each one of us a reality where we actually come to know and experience that we are children of God. Where we begin not only to know that intellectually, but where it begins to pervade everything we do, where it changes the very fabric of who we are. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. This is the call for the Father's name to be hallowed, to be held as holy. Lofty words again, I know, but let's, let's press in to what it means. To, to have God's name, to have the Father as holy, to behold Him as holy is to long that for who the Father actually is, for, for who He is to be truly reflected in our lives. That His uniqueness, His love, His power, His authority would be known in us and through us. This is Jesus' desire for us. His invitation to us, that we would live lives characterized by our relationship with our Father. In fact, this is actually the complete opposite of taking the Lord's name in vain. I know we usually think to take the Lord's name in vain is to, is to say Jesus Christ in a, in a, in a wrong setting. Uh, but what, what it really is to take the Lord's name in vain is to claim relationship with Him, to claim proximity with Him, and then to reflect something completely different. 
to live your life in a way that doesn't show who he is at all. To ask for the Father's name to be kept holy is to ask that who he is be made a reality in your life so that you would know him to be who he says he is, that you would come to rejoice and delight in him so that out of that relationship with him, you would live a life that would naturally inform others of the character of the good father that he is. These are the words, may you father be shown to be who you really are and do that in my life. Let me truly know and reflect who you are. This is the first line of the Lord's prayer. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And in fact, this, this is what Jesus would say sums up the law and the prophets, the two greatest commandments that sum up all of the commandments. For a heart to be one that cries out to God in love for him and love for neighbour. To want God, the goodness of who he is, the great father that you come to know him to be, to be so evident in your life that others come to know the exact same thing. This is our cry. Father, I love you. Make your love a reality in my life that I may know it and that others may come to know and experience it as I become more and more like you in the image of Jesus. And this is just the first line of the Lord's Prayer. And it is, it's beautiful. And, and I think if we, if we were to take the time to reflect on this as we put Jesus in our sights, as we look at the proximity of relationship that, that is opening, is, is becoming available, if we truly know the extent of that relationship in Jesus, it will bring you to tears. I long for more of that. But honestly, that can seem extremely far off from the reality that we experience. Sometimes it feels like, you know, the, the, the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, sometimes it feels like I'm at, at the base of Mount Everest and I look towards the peace at best on a clear day, on the best possible day, being able to see the peak and on, on the worst day, on a bad day, not even being able to see a step in front of me. Sometimes for me, I see the, the loftiness and the joy that there is in relationship with Father, with the Father that is, that is, that is possible, that is, that is being um, proposed, that, is, that I'm being invited into. Sometimes that makes my heart leap with joy to think that that is where I am headed. 
to live in the full delight of the Father as Jesus did, to live in that love and security, the power that he lived in with no fear. I see glimpses of that in my own life. I see, I see a trajectory towards that in my own life. But the, the, the fullness of that that I see in Jesus, sometimes that even makes me disheartened at the place that I'm at. How far I am from that peak. I begin to realise that my own desires are too weak to spur me on towards that goal. And in, and in trying to capture this, this, this trajectory, this journey, uh, William Law, a, uh, a, a radical Christian in the 18th century, it, it's old English, but, but this, this, is, this is in a nutshell exactly what our experience can be as we, as we despair. This is what we cry. This is what we cry. He says, but thou will perhaps say, how shall this great work, the birth of Christ, be effected in me? It might rather be said, since Christ has an infinite power and also an infinite desire to save mankind, how can anyone miss this salvation? But through his own unwillingness to be saved by him. Consider how was it that the lame and blind, the lunatic and leper, the publican and sinner found Christ to be their saviour and to do all that for them which they wanted to be done for them. It was because they had a real desire of having that which they asked for and therefore in true faith and prayer applied to Christ that his spirit and power might enter into them and heal that which they wanted and desired to be healed in them. Every one of these, the, the, the people who came to Jesus to be healed, every one of these said in faith and desire, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. And the answer was always this, according to thy faith, so be it done unto thee. This is Christ's answer now. And thus it is done to every one of us at this day as our faith is, so is it done unto us. And here lies the whole reason of our falling short of the salvation of Christ. It is because we have no will to it. It's as we come to recognise our own need and inability to have the heart that Jesus has, as we come to recognise that, then our hearts, then we come to realise that our hearts do not know the Father enough to delight in Him. As we begin to realise that even our own will is too weak to move ourselves to that affection, we cannot bring that about ourselves, then we come to realise that a heart of prayer is being birthed within us. When we realise our need and our own inability, a heart of prayer is being birthed within us. A heart that seeks in faith and prayer just for a touch of who Jesus is. 
George MacDonald actually touches on this well, about this need, how, how God is close to those who sense the need, who know their need, who come to Him in that need. This is what he says. If you are in any trouble, try whether God will not help you. If you are in no need, why should you ask questions about prayer? True, He knows little of Himself who does not know that He is wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. But until he begins at least to suspect a need, how can he pray? And here, even tonight, as we see the lofty heights that Jesus would have us enter into, he would take us there. He invites us to be like him and he's put his infinite power, he's put everything behind it all of his desires behind this invitation, that we would attain to that. As we pray, our Father, hallowed be your name and acknowledge him in humility, acknowledge our own inadequacy in having the same heart that Jesus has, a heart that cries out in delight and rests in the Father, in any and every circumstance. It's as we find our desire to be like Him increasing and our self-sufficiency decreasing, we can then truly say that we have begun to know our need for Him. To call out to the one who can help us we have begun to be taught how to pray. Maybe you're beginning to wonder where to from here. We're beginning to be taught how to pray. As we sense the need, we're starting to enter and we're starting to cry out, where to from here? And you'll be glad to know that again, this is just the first line of the Lord's Prayer. go on to the next line. As you have a sense of that need, press on. Allow all that the next line means to encourage you, to challenge you, to lead you to pray with a deeper longing for Jesus to bring about His highest goal in you, which is a heart that can cry out to the Father in complete delight. This is what you were created for, each one of us, to know overwhelming joy in Him, to overflow with His love so that not only you might know that joy yourself and enjoy the riches of His glory, but others may come to know that as well. C.S. Lewis has an encouraging word actually that he says for, for us in this situation as, we, as we're going on this journey, he compares it to people who are learning to ride a horse. He says, we are not riders, but pupils in the riding school. For most of us, the falls and bruises, the aching muscles and the severity of the exercise far outweigh those few moments in which we were to our own astonishment, actually galloping without terror and without disaster. 
And this is what he says, to see what praising or glorifying God really means, we must suppose ourselves to be in perfect love with God. Drunk with, drowned in, dissolved by that delight which far from remaining pent up within ourselves as incommunicable, hence hardly tolerable bliss flows out from us incessantly again in effortless and perfect expression. Our joy no more separable from the praise in which it liberates and utters itself than the brightness a mirror receives is separable from the brightness it sheds. He says, the Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to to enjoy Him. And so, That's the invitation for us tonight. It's the invitation for the rest of our lives into eternity to enjoy Him and in doing so to glorify Him. Let's accept this invitation. Let's open up our hearts to be continually transformed to be like Jesus so that we too may cry out in ever increasing delight, our Father, Hallowed be your name. But let's start by letting that lofty ideal, as we look at Jesus' relationship with his Father, to humble us so that we can truly cry from our hearts, Father, help me. Make your spirit, your love, your power, a reality in my life. I cannot do it. Make your name holy in me. And as we do this, as we continue to come to him, as we continue to listen to his voice, to follow him, we will have begun to learn how to pray. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Maybe we have a sense actually of our own, the own inadequacy of our hearts to cry out to you in this very moment with delight, with all of our delight, that as we would say, Father, our hearts would be so captured by you that this whole room would almost cease to be, that nothing would matter except our gaze upon you. Father, you long to pour out the riches of your love into our hearts. You've done absolutely everything that was necessary for that to happen. And so we thank you for Jesus. We've been thanking you, even in communion, for the incredible way that you've made for us to know you through him. And we see his relationship with you. We see all that you're calling us to. And Father, we humble ourselves we admit that we have not attained to that. We say, even as Paul says, I have not attained to that, but I press on towards the prize for which you have saved us. This is the reason 
you have saved us is for us to enjoy you completely, to glorify you, make it a reality in our lives. Make it real to us. As much on a Monday morning as on a Sunday evening, as much in the hard times as the good times. Oh, Father, we wanna know you. We wanna know you and the power of your resurrection. We want our lives completely alive in you. Lead us, teach us to be like you. Teach us to pray. We come to you with the need we have, with the faith we have. And we say, if you will do it, if you are willing, and the answer is always the same, you are willing. So we bring ourselves before you. Do that work in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This is His desire for us even now, not to wait, not to think about this becoming a possibility in the future, but to come to Him with that need this very moment, to enter deeper into that so that He can provide by His Spirit the very Spirit of Jesus, everything that we need to know His love, to know His power, to know His joy, His peace that surpasses all understanding. And so as we come to worship now, come to Him with that, come to Him with that need in your heart as you see the incredible person of Jesus, as we glorify Him, let that be enjoyment. Ask God to make that enjoyment of Him. So let's stand together actually now and let's um, sing this song, King of Kings, singing praise to our great God, but calling on Him to make this incredible change a reality in our hearts. In Jesus' Name, let's do that.
mention a couple of things before we finish tonight. But Dan said these words in his message that just struck me. And he said uh, something along the lines of God, it's just this, these few words, God, I need you. God, I need you. And I don't know, maybe just tonight here in the auditorium, maybe just watching online, maybe there's something in you that says, yeah, I need that. I, I literally need God in my life. I was just reminded as I was standing there, I, I met a woman this morning and she said it was only a second time to church. She said she was watching online and one night I gave some call to surrender your life to Christ. And she said, I don't know what it was, but she said, I, I, I felt called. There was something in me that said I needed to do that. And she responded and it was a second time in church and uh, her life has been transformed. And uh, she, she's driven from Logan. She drove from Logan I said, I said, gee, that's a, that's a drive. She said, oh, no, no, it's, that's, it's only 55 minutes. And, uh, and, and I thought, but that's it, isn't it? When you encounter the living God, what's a 55-minute drive to come and worship and to praise God with, his, with, his, uh, with other people? It's amazing. But, but her life has been transformed. And as I say that, maybe online you're watching, you don't even know what this, how this all works, but you just know in your heart, God, I need you. Maybe here, God, I need you. And I wanna lead you in a prayer. It's a really simple prayer. God, I need you tonight. So would you be willing to do that with me? Maybe you can close your eyes with me or bow your heads at home here in the auditorium. A simple prayer. If that's you tonight, you can just pray this prayer. God, I need you. I wanna surrender to you. I need you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. I can't do this on my own anymore. I need you to forgive me for my sin. And I ask, Holy Spirit, fill me and make me new in you. I pray these things in Jesus' Name, Amen. And Father, we thank You for those that responded, maybe online, maybe here said, yeah, I need you. And Father, as Dan mentioned as well, it's a prayer that's answered every time as we cry out to you, God, we need you. That's true, not just for the very first time, it's true for every single day of our lives. We need you so desperately, great God. So we thank you, Lord, we love you. Go with us this week, we know you are. And we just pray that you'd use us this week. We love you in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Before you go, uh, we are doing a series at the moment on prayer. So there's some prayer tables as you head outside and you can write out some prayers and we pray for those all week long in our corporate prayer meetings. So feel free to write some prayer requests on those. That'd be amazing. And uh, if you wanna join us at all, this is the best time to join us for prayer. If you wanna join us at any of our corporate prayer meetings, I urge you and I encourage you, please join us for those corporate prayer meetings. You're welcome to do that. Uh, but hang around afterwards, there's food outside. Welcome lounge. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week and we'll see you soon.